0: Now over to Pastor Steve.
1: Alright, we are in the Hero Within. I need to I need to get on my pony and ride because I got I got some feisty stuff for y'all today. And I if I don't get to the to the end it's only partially feisty. And I, I don't want to take anything away from <laughs> from the, your opportunities. <laughs> I, I love being, I love being feisty. So this series, The Hero Within, we have been enumerating the fact that on the inside of us, Christ is living, trying to impress upon us that He would love to, through our lives, through our languages, through our hands even, be a hero to our world. Our world is desperately Desperately short on heroes. Before I got put into Facebook jail, I think I'm on day five of seven or I don't know, I sometimes I lose track. I don't know if I'm on a five day suspension or a seven day suspension or a three day suspension. It it gets ridiculous. I I, put, I do screenshots of them because I expect at some point that somebody's going to have a lawsuit and they're going to call me and I'm like oh I got plenty of fodder for you. But before I went the, literally the day before I got put into Facebook jail, I asked. I said name three heroes on my Facebook just to just to see what people would say. And some of them were good and some were some were interesting. I'm not saying bad. It was just interesting to think and the one of the things that was that was the most interesting to me was the num- the lack of response there's only like 10 people that responded i have 4000 friends and i know most of them read my posts i can uh i have inside information and let's just say 2500 people seen that post and 10 people responded 10 people out of 2,500 were willing to engage with the conversation about heroes in their life. You know what that probably means? 2,000 people don't. They're living their lives with no image of a hero on the inside of them. And some of them, I know that they they were being gracious. You know, my... My husband and my my dad and my grandpa, and I'm not saying that that's not true because I, I believe that husbands, dad and grandpas and wives, and I believe that they should be, should be, not can be, should be. I should be my wife's hero. she should when she should think of no other knight in shining armor that's going to come and rescue her besides Jesus and me. Period. If she doesn't think that, then I'm failing. I'm not going to go down that road in Jesus' name. I have a responsibility to be my children's and my wife's hero. Responsibility. But in addition to that, obviously we impact however many other people that we come into contact during the course of our life. Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, I don't know. But I know that the number is probably greater than you think it is. Because there's people watching. I I love watching. I'm a people watcher. I'd be really honest with you. If I'm sitting somewhere and Kay's, I'm holding her purse, being a good husband, that's what I do. I watch people. Because I want to pick up on, like, what is going on on the inside of this person? What's motivating them to... To do that, to think that, to say that, to be that. What's going on? Because I have a, my responsibility is to impact people's lives and to bring them into what they're created to be. And so I'm, I want to look for the hindrances. What's stopping that? What's, what's holding a person back from being what God intended for them to be? Insecurity? Pain? Former abuse? Trauma? Success, riches, wealth, there's a gamut of things that stop people from being who and what they're created to be. And I have a responsibility to help people become everything they're called to be, but I can only engage to the passion that I have that for myself. I want to be a hero who inspires heroes. I want to be the husband that inspires husbands. To be the father that inspires fathers. I want to be a minister that inspires ministers. And if you're living your way, you're living your life in such a way that you don't want people to look at you because they would be uninspired. Today you can change that. If people can't duplicate the way your lifestyle is today, could I follow you around yesterday? All day long, and it raised the standard that I have in my life. That quietness that you're feeling is probably not a good answer, but you can change that today. That hero on the inside of you is just waiting for you to to shed that bib overall or whatever you got. And let your light show shine, so shine that all men may see your good works and be inspired by your life. God didn't make a dud. You don't get to say, well, this is just my personality. I'm not. No. Your personality is 99% a derivative of whatever was afflicted upon you over the X number of years that you've been living. Very likely maybe, maybe 1% of your personality is actually from the person of Christ. So you don't get to say, well, I'm just this way. No. The old dead you was that way, and you need to put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Colossians 1.27, and I've scratched out on my, my notes The word Gentiles, because that's um, it, it's kind of a religious terminology. I, I want you, I want you guys to be beloved. So make sure that you understand that he wanted you beloved. That's what the word Gentiles. Gentiles means that the believers that were outside of Judaism that came into faith, and so God did this because He wanted you beloved. To understand his wonderful and glorious mystery. And you can, you can go through Colossians chapter 1 and see that Paul laid out a gospel message in all the 26 verses before this. And so he did all this work so that we, you and I, could understand the wonderful, not just the mystery. Because a lot of people like to be detective and get into, like when I'm people watching, it's different than what other people people watch. When other people people watch, they're looking for the bad stuff or to make fun of or that's quirky or that's weird. When I'm people watching, I'm looking for an opportunity to raise up, to to give to to give strength to to re to take something out of the way that's hindering someone. That's why it's so easy for me to speak truth into someone's life. Hey, you got this. This thing is is hindering you, it's stopping you, it's holding you back, it's stupid. You shouldn't have this thing. Get rid of this thing. And then you can be free. If you're seeing somebody running down the street and they're trying to get to their destination and they got a chain hooked to them with five boat anchors and you walk up to them and you just keep on going there, buddy. You just work hard. You'll get there. And you don't cut the anchors off? You're just a bad person. I'm one of those unique people that comes up to someone like that and says, Can you just stop for a second and let me use my torch? Because I love tools. And cut all those off. Well, I don't know. They've been here forever. They don't have to stay. Sometimes I got to talk folks into it. And then they get cut off and then they run and go, That's way better. I know. Used to be that way. It's a wonderful and glorious mystery. It's good. God God wants you to understand great, awesome, amazing, wonderful things that He has for you. And the way that He has already predetermined that those things are going to be awesome for you, the mystery is that Christ lives in you. Not a piece of Christ. Not Christ Junior. Not a hope and a wish in Christ. The Christ, the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, Romans eight eleven, that Christ lives on the inside of you. You literally could walk down the street with the same power, authority, and confidence that Jesus walked down dusty streets of Jerusalem. The difference between Him and you is He believed it. He knew what He had on the inside of Him and used all of it. We don't know if it's really there or if it stays. You can tell by the way people pray, Lord, come be with us. From where? Where is he going to come from to be with you? Lord, um, we raise up to you so-and-so. Where's God at that you've got to raise someone up to him? He's right here. You know why you bow your head when you pray? So you can talk to your Father. Dear Lord.
0: Right there. Christ
1: in you. And He, not not the remade version of you, not, not you're so awesome, Christ looked across all the people on the planet and He said, you know what? Rich Hagedorn is like the greatest guy in the universe. I think I'll go live in him. he's he's accomplished it. he's got all the he's got all the right degrees. He's got all the right educations. he's the right he's the right size. he's the right age. he's the right everything. And so I'm gonna go live in him. He's actually earned it. Amen? Because we think that. Well, you know, that guy can do more things in God because, you know, he's probably a better person than me. You believe that, and you'll live that. But if you actually understand that ain't none of us, not on your best day, ever earned one lick of anything God's ever done for you. Not one lick. It is because of His mercy that He saved us. It is because of His grace, His unmerited favor coming into our lives that we can do anything. Christ Jesus came to you not because you deserved it, but because you needed it. And so when you come to the when you boldly enter into the throne room of grace, Hebrews 4:16, to obtain his mercy, It's because that boldness that's in you isn't because you're awesome. It's because who's in you giving you the authority to enter that throne room is awesome. But because you know who's in you and you know how awesome he is, you should have confidence as you go into your world with the awesome one in you. If you don't have confidence going into your world to do what you're called to do, then you probably don't believe that the one on the inside of you is either A, there, or B, awesome. Oh, praise Jesus. And He is your hope of sharing in God's glory. God's glory. Not, not political glory. Praise Jesus. Not Hollywood glory. God's glory. God's kind of glory. Which would you rather have? Hollywood glory or God's glory? I know you're in a church right now. But if I came to your bedroom and I seen your movie stars on your wall. <laughs> I don't know. I, when we were kids we put yeah. let's just move on. Next verse. <laughs> <laughs> Psalm sixteen three says, The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. God has heroes. I want to be God's hero. You heard what I said, that I should be Kay's hero. I should be my children's hero. I want to be my father's hero. If that desire is not in you, then you you can obtain it today. It's not unique to Steve Castle. You can actually be the person that God says, man, look at Jeff. Look what Jeff is doing for my kingdom. I am so proud of Jeff. He used to be this. Now he's this. I was once lost. Now I'm found. And it was just a moment. It was just a decision. Jeff can make a decision. Steve can make a decision. You can make a decision. If you make the right decision... You're going to be tempted with another decision. Because yeah. the enemy is going to find out how resolved you are. So he's going to bring you a decision behind your decision. And then if you choose that right, then you get a decision. Yeah. And then you get a decision. Yeah. And then you, but after a while, if you start making right choices to all the decisions that come in your life, it just starts coming natural where you're just like, I'm just going to make the right decisions. I'm just going to be bold and courageous in the situations that I'm presented in. I'm not going to be fearful and intimidated by life anymore. I'm just going to make the right decisions. I'm going to be a righteous person. I'm going to reject all of the negative opportunities that come into my life. I'm going to resist temptation. I'm going to look that toothless lion that comes and tries to roar and make me scared. I'm going to say, get thee behind me, Satan, and he's going to flee from me because the lion of the tribe of Judah is on the inside of me and his roar is twice as loud as the roar of this world. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. Man, I so want to be my father's hero. You know, here's the thing. If I'm my father's hero, you know by default, i got to be Kay's hero. Because Kay don't love anybody like she loves her father. I mean, I I don't even come into a close second. She is all Jesus. She'll leave me for another man at any second. If I leave that other man, she's leaving me. I'm totally cool with that. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I'll just have to let that soak on you. She loves him way more than me. I am totally secure in that. Because the more I am like him, the more she... Whew, that's my man right there. She does it all the time. She walk around the house like... Whew. And then I turn the heat down. <laughs> But my godly wife, obviously she's going to be more drawn to me as a hero for if I am being a hero for my father. My children too, the more that they embrace the kingdom and the things of God, when they see their father being a hero for God, they're going to say, my bad is a hero. He does things for God that other people won't. And I... I don't, want to be, I don't want to be unique in this building in that regard. I want to be one of the masses. I want to be a hero in a building filled with heroes. Amen? Amen. The most excess, accepted and pervasive sin in American Christianity, what I call churchianity today, is a four-letter F word. Does anybody know the word? Fear. 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 A majority of Christians, and I know I know a bunch of Christians, a majority of Christians live their life making decisions based on fear. Well, if I don't do this, what will this person think? Well, if I don't do this, what would happen with my money? Well, if I don't do this, what would happen with my health? If I don't do this, what would my spouse think? Very seldom does anybody ever think, I wonder what my father wants me to do. You know how simple it is? This is a personal revelation of mine. When I took all of the other pleasing of the people, the fear of man is what it is in Proverbs twenty nine twenty five, I believe. The fear of man brings a snare. When I took all of the other people's opinions off and I just want to make my father pleased, you know how simple things got Oh, they didn't like that decision you made. Oh, well, I don't give a rip. They're not my God. And it became amazing to me that all of these people that I was pleasing, who I never pleased, by the way, all those people that want to prostitute your emotions and prostitute your activities, when you give them what they want, you know what they want? More. More. Perform better now. You did that performance you, hey little monkey, you jump through this hoop. Now here's a little higher hoop. Jump through this one, okay? And then you'll love me. We'll see. Just jump. When you get to the end of all that, you'll find out that they cannot be pleased. I think it's in Proverbs chapter six. It says there's three things that can never be satisfied: the the empty womb, and the one of them is the pit which is sin, sin is missing the mark. Missing the mark. That's what sin is. It means to miss the mark. And so when other people set a mark for you, because they do, they, they all the time they'll tell you, you do this and I'll be happy. You do this, I'll be mad. I don't care what your mark is for me. And I love all y'all. Y- you guys know, I'm, I'll die for anyone in this room. I love you a ton. But I'm not trying to hit your mark for me. I'm not trying to be the pastor you want me to be. Amen? That, that one right there will just move you this much closer to me actually being your pastor. Because I can't tell you how many people that say, if you were this way, then you'd be a better pastor. Well, good for you. Because all these people have pastored so many churches, they know exactly what it takes to pastor churches. Amen. 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 It's, it was always amazing to me when I owned my restaurant, people would come in. You know what you should do in your restaurant? Oh no, please tell me, restaurateur, what I should do to make my restaurant better because you've ran so many. Well, you know, I mean, I lay gravel for a living, but let me tell you what you should do for your... Tell you what, I won't tell you how to lay gravel. <laughs> that that four-letter F word gets into our psyche gets into our decision-making process. And any time you make decision from fear, fear owns you. Fear owns you. Well, what if, I, what if I displease this person? What if they do this to me and this to me and this to me and this to me? A better way of looking at that situation is how much greater would my life be if I did this for my father and he took care of this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing? Jesus said that the father in heaven takes care of sparrows. Sparrows. How much better are you? And I know that there's I've met gals that couch surf with guys because they're like, well, if I don't if I don't do this with this guy, well then I'll be homeless. Does God let sparrows be homeless? All right. I got to move on. Courageous people, I have some, I have some bullets here. I was, I was meditating on this for hours this week. I, I, that's why I said like, I'm really passionate about delivering some of this stuff. Courageous people face and defeat personal fear. Heroes face and defeat the fears afflicting others. You can't be a hero until you're Courageous. Being a hero starts with courageous. You can be courageous today. You might not be a hero today, but you can be courageous today. Today you can be courageous. You can stand against the tide, the flow of the world, the evil and the wickedness that is saturating society and culture. And you can be courageous. You can make one courageous decision, and then tomorrow make two And next day you make three. And after a while, you start making a whole day worth of courageous decisions. There's going to come an opportunity that you're going to walk into somebody else's fearful situation. You're going to be able to be a hero for someone else. Maybe your spouse. Maybe your children. Because you are here, you're already more brave than the masses. There are people right now that are golfing. There are people right now that are... If it comes to my head, it's got to be God, so I'll just go there. There are people right now that have a little baggie on their hand, and they're picking up a warm pile of dog dew. Because they took their dog for a walk on Sunday morning. And they're picking up a warm... They are their dog's toilet keeper. This is what they're doing Sunday morning. This is the value of their life. Is a little baggie of fun. And they would say, you are a fool. Because you're sitting here. While they're out enjoying their dog and the weather you're the fool this is the logic of the world because you're here you're already one decision more brave you're one decision more courageous than the masses you made one good decision you got up today some of you even took a shower God bless you Put on your pretty clothes. And you said, you know what? Today, I'm going to move the needle just ever so slightly the right direction. And the rest of the world, I don't need that. What do I need with God? I don't need to actually gather together with the saints. I'm so holy, I can do it from my couch. I don't need to actually hear the Word in an anointed environment. I can watch it on YouTube. Same thing, same thing. Because you did this, you're already that much more brave than your neighbor. I applaud you. I applaud you. Cowards hate themselves. Much of the personal hatred that people have for themselves is because they are cowards when it came to making the right decision about something important. Because with Cowardice comes shame, guilt, pain. One of the greatest ways that you can avoid condemnation, shame, guilt, self-hatred is to be brave. Be courageous. Cowards hate themselves. Heroes believe in their ability to affect change. Courageous people believe in their ability to affect change. Now, it might not be a lot. You, you don't have to believe that you can, like, move America. But can you move someone next to you? Can you move you? You don't. you're, you're understanding your revelation of how much you can move, how much impact, how much influence you have, is going to grow with you doing it. If I can if I can put all my weight in and I can push a a tricycle, that's good. I move something. One day maybe I can put all my strength in and move a pickup. And then one day maybe even a train car. But it starts with a tricycle. Heroes, courageous, brave people believe that they can affect something, something, and then they go affect it. Amen. Whatever you've got influence in right now, whatever, wherever, whatever lives you touch, whatever avenues of of language that you have, your social media. You think God gave you social media because He knew how bored you were, right. and you wanted to watch little kittens play with balls of yarn, and how oh how cute! That, oh, how long do you watch that? Oh, I have it, three hours. You watch kittens. When I see these stats, sometimes I think they're lying. Because the average uh, 16-year-old today spends 4.7 hours on a glowing screen. 4.7 hours. (laughs) And obviously not studying the Scriptures from their Bible app. The, The average gamer, someone who considers themselves to be a gamer, spends six hours a day gaming. Gaming. Six hours gaming. <laughs> I don't even have a grid for that. We used, mom bought us a Nintendo when we were little, young. We got a Nintendo. Anybody remember Nintendo Number One with the little, little cross little on your thing, and then two buttons. You had a little cross thing and two buttons. We play it for an hour, and you had blisters on both thumbs that were big enough to put your eye out. And now these gamers are playing six hours a day. You know what it takes to build up the resilience, the resolve, to spend six hours on a game? And these are the same people that, well, I don't know what the Bible says. I don't understand the Bible. I can't. What do you want me to do? Go out and affect the world? I can't affect it. You spent six hours figuring out how to work a game. You could be affecting something. Everyone in here has talents and skills. Chris is a, Chris is a Masoner. Masonite? Ma- he, 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 he plays with bricks. put bricks in, in a row. But he can do things with bricks I can't do. Why? Because he did it, and he did it, and he did it, and he did it. Scott's forgotten more about fixing cars than I've ever known. And I used to call myself a mechanic. Not so much. When you're around Scott for a while, I'm a mechanic. When you're around Scott, you're like, Eh, I'm not really a mechanic. I just like tools. I tell my wife I'm a mechanic so I can, Honey, i got to have this tool. Why? Because I'm a mechanic. That's not what Scott said. (laughs) Heroes believe in their ability to affect change. Fear is believing you will fail. So you stay inactive. You know what fear says? You can't do that. Don't do nothing. You know what most Americans say? Okay. I got a comfy couch. I got me a great big lazy boy chair. Since I can't do nothing, I'll just stick my feet up and I won't do nothing. You know what? If I don't try nothing, I'll never fail. Congratulations. You are correct. If you don't ever try anything, you will never fail, except at life. You failed at life. You had one thing to do. Dennis Prager says it this way. He's not, uh, I'm paraphrasing because I can't quote him exactly. It's in my head, but not in my memory. He says he he doesn't live his life to be safe. He lives his life to live it. You know how many people live their lives to be safe, be cautious? You know the worst thing you could ever have in your tombstone? Here lies Steve. He played it safe. (laughs) I want to enjoy life. How many adventures are there? How many things to experience? How many people to affect? Man, I, I, could, I could disconnect right here in this message, and I could spend the next six hours nonstop and tell you testimony after testimony after testimony of people's lives. Healings that I've seen, marriages that I've seen healed. Things in, things in my own life that I would have never seen if I didn't unplug from comfort and safe. And God wants us to take the land and we can't cross the threshold of our own house. The government told a ton of people, wear your mask, social distance, and isolate in your And you know what the majority of America said? Thank God. I've been waiting for someone to give me permission to live this way forever. Thank you, government, for giving me permission to live the most degraded life ever possible. And calling me a hero for doing it. You know who the heroes are in the pandemic? Those that got their jab, that wore their mask, that isolated and stayed in their basement. Those are the real heroes. Sick. Sick, twisted lies. And those people are exonerated. And then they kick me off of Facebook. (laughs) Bravery is a muscle. And everyone has it, and it's in your character. And if you don't exercise it, it'll entropy. And because some of you have maybe never exercised that muscle, you're saying, I don't have any bravery in me. You got Christ in you. Better be careful about what you say about Christ. I wouldn't say it if I was you. On the inside of you is the character of bravery, and it's like a muscle. The more you exercise it, the more we will pump you up. I have no idea where that came from. (laughs) John chapter 18. You guys are carnal. John chapter 18. In the English Standard Version, ESV. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Now this is interesting. Here's the king... Pilate standing in front of the twice already beaten Jesus. He was beaten at uh, Annas' house, and he was beaten at Caiaphas' house. Annas was the high priest. Caiaphas was the father-in-law high priest. And it's a it's the, it's a unique time. There was It was the only time in Jewish history that there were two high priests, and the reason was is because the Romans, the government, didn't like the one high priest, so they kicked him out and made his son the high priest. But his son honored his father-in-law, and so he kind of played it both ways. It was political. Eh, Interesting. So Jesus comes into a time that the church was political the wrong way. Interesting. And they beat him as the high priests with their righteous judgment. So the first high priest that Jesus shows up to, by the way, Jesus is the actual high priest. And so he's got a high priest standing in front of a high priest. The high priest condemns Jesus, the actual high priest, and beats him. Sends him to the next one. Stands in front of the fake high priest. Or the real high priest, depending on whether you're Roman or Jewish. And they condemn him, he's the actual high priest, and beat him. And then take him off to Pilate. So now the high priest who was condemned by the high priest, stands in front of the king, and he's a king. And the king says, Are you a king? The reason I'm highlighting all this is because none of these influential people knew who Jesus was. And if they didn't know who Jesus was, and we're all here gathered in his name because of how amazing, how awesome, how supernatural, how incredible he was. And while he physically lived there, they didn't know? I want you to understand that not for a minute. Can you judge whether you are actually filled with the Spirit of God and capable of doing what God called you to do based upon somebody else's opinion? If they couldn't recognize Jesus in front of two high priests and stands in front of a king and he doesn't know he's a king, don't think for a second that people are going to get you all figured out. And here we are motivated by all their opinions. Man, your father has an opinion of you. Go with that. Jesus did. He stood in front of the high priest and they beat him. You know what he was thinking? I'm the actual high priest. And here's the high priest beating me. I'm the actual king. And here's the king that doesn't even know if I'm the king. Are you the king of the Jews? Next verse, please. Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? And the reason that Jesus was saying this is because this is how the world works. The world works by other people's opinions. Uh, it, it, is, it is really easy for someone who doesn't know you to judge you. And because of that, It is really easy when someone who does know you, that God's called to be a part of your life, when they come and say something's wrong in your life, you just dismiss it as general judgment. When God actually wanted you to know something. If we don't get this balance right, so Jesus says, are you actually asking me? Because really legitimately on the inside of you, you're asking about my royalty. Or are you just asking because that's what, the, that's what the narrative is. That's what the crowds say. Is this for you? Or are you just doing your duty? Next verse. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests, notice plural, chief priests, which is forbidden by Levitical law, the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? He was, he was asking Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? One of the reasons I believe that Pilate was asking that question is because if he would have just asked if he was a king, then he would have had to have acknowledged that on the inside of him, he knew that the guy standing in front of him wasn't random dude. And so he put it into the Jewish category. This has got to be just religious. God supersedes our religion. Here's a a king that had an opportunity to respond to the prompting of the Spirit of God. And he was without courage. He was a coward. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Uh, I'm going to put this in as an asterisk. I just want you to chew on it. Are we supposed to be bringing his kingdom into this world now? Uh, I didn't, I think I lost a bunch of you. So if you're sleeping, wake up. Are we supposed to be bringing God's kingdom to this world? Jesus said, if my kingdom were supposed to be in this world, my servants would fight. You can probably tell about how legitimate a person's Christianity is about how much they're fighting to bring the kingdom into this world. That's an asterisk. We'll move on. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose, I want you to note intentionality. Intentionality. Jesus didn't just float from miracle to miracle. Like, he, well, you know, I think, I think I'll go pray. I'm kind of bored right now. Oh, look, a crowd. I'll go preach. Oh, hey, some guys that are following me around. You want to be an apostle? Jesus was incredibly intentional. Every thing. Every word. Those of you that have ever ministered or discipled someone, every word. You have to weigh it. It has value. People that, that love and honor you when you're with them. You have to be very purposeful, very intentional about your words, your actions. You don't want to misrepresent yourself or misrepresent God. Jesus was representing God to all of humanity for all of time. Do you think that He just floated around looking for the next random thing to happen? Intentional. Heroes are intentional. For this purpose... I was born. And, man, notice the conjunction. It's not just, this is what I was created for. This is what God made me to be. This is what God wanted me to do. And, for this purpose, I have come into the world. He was born with all of this identity, with all of this responsibility, with all of this purpose. But he had to actually carry it out. You've probably heard the place with the, with the greatest amount of potential in the world is a cemetery. Why? Because most of the people there died with all their potential untapped. When I get to the end of my life, I don't want there to be a miracle left. I don't want to drop. I want to be wrung out completely. He gave everything he wants to give. And now he's done. You can't, you've never seen a U-Haul going to heaven. For this purpose, intentionality, I was born. And for this purpose, intentionality. So he was born with intention from God. He lived his life with intention because he knew it. You were born with intention from God. So you're already 50% there. So now how are you going to live it? I have come into this world to bear witness, which is the Greek word martyrio. You've probably heard me talk about this. It's one of my life words, Greek words of my life. Martyrio is where we get our English word martyr. It means to testify, to give irrefutable evidence, confirm, absolute We live in a society that says there's no absolute to truth. So you can pick. Either there's no absolute truth, or Jesus is right. So if there's no absolute truth, Jesus is a liar and he's wrong. If there is absolute truth, then the world is a liar and the world is wrong. Whenever someone says to you there's no absolutes, you know that statement is absolute. There's no absolutes. Are you absolutely sure? There's absolutes. Like, if you're born a boy, you're a boy. The fact that I have to say that shows you how ignorant our culture is. You'll never go to an FFA club and say, well, let's... Let's decide what gender this cow is. Let's ask it how it feels. We're so advanced that it can only affect humanity. Only humans can feel a different gender. Only humans can feel like their sexual identity is fluid and it flows this way and then it flows this way and it's just just whatever you like right now. The reason that the human race exists is that we've only been that stupid for just a little while. Most of human history, you figured out a boy and a girl married, that's how you have kids. In today's world, boys can have kids, can be pregnant, males can be pregnant. You know, they would love for everyone in this entire nation to believe that, because then we're one generation from extinction. I have come into this world to be a martyr. You know, that purpose is in you. Amen. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So here's something unique. You want to know who's actually truth? Who's, who's in the truth? Saying the truth? Living by truth? Who actually listens to Jesus? Well, I love this one scientific guy who tells all the things about the Big Bang Theory and how we all evolve from gorillas. Does he believe what Jesus says? Oh God, no. So is he telling you truth? Again, you're going to have to decide. Either Jesus is a liar and he's making these words up. Or Jesus is saying the only way that someone is literally part of the truth is that they listen to my voice. This is one of the ways that I can decipher all of the all of the loud noises that are going on in society. All the lies that are going on through media. All the, all the news broadcasters that are false prophets and telling you things that are just absolutely lies is because I know that that is not congruent with Jesus. If it's not congruent with Jesus, it is not truth. Man, I could stay there for a while. I won't. In an ethical sense, those that are called God's witnesses, who after his examples have proved the strength and genuineness of their faith in Christ, undergo a violent death. That's a martyr. If you believe that you are called to be God's witnesses, to bear witness of the truth, Jesus, then you will undergo a violent death. Hopefully you understand that the new birth, that you are crucified with Christ, and that is your violent death. Most people don't know. They think born again is just a cool Christian word. And you know, and I, I would I've asked I've asked people I I, I don't have a number of Of times that I've gotten this response where I say, Hey, are you born again? Well, I was, I went through catechism. Good for you. It's not what I asked. Are you born again? I've been confirmed. Good for you. It's not what I asked. Are you born again? I've been baptized. How many different answers can you give me to a simple question? Did you go through a violent death? by being crucified with Christ Jesus, knowing that you were a sinner, threw yourself on the mercy of God, had His blood flow down over your life, and you came out of that knowing that you are a child of God. Have you been born again? No, I haven't done that. You should be. It's way better. It's way better. Because if, if catechism makes you born again, then you can just go to university And they'll catechize you their way. You you do know that the majority of people that go to university and college right now, they come out on the other side of that as little woke soldiers, ready to embrace all anything that Big Mama Government puts down their throat. Pilate said, "What's truth? This is the King, the government." They don't know what truth is. I will tell you this. Pilate did know some truth. He knew Jesus was innocent. He knew that the Jews delivered him for envy. He also knew that his wife had a dream from God saying, leave this guy alone. So he knew at least three truths. And you know what he did? He was a coward. He did what the crowd wanted. Because that's what cowards do. Every time you capitulate to the crowd, crowd coward. Jesus said, narrow is the road. And few that be thereon." That leads to everlasting life. You want to follow the crowd? That's a wide road. Lots of partying. Fat Tuesday. Jesus was the hero of this story. Standing there bleeding in front of the big king, the big king Pilate. Things aren't always as they seem. Pilate didn't know truth. Jesus knew truth. Pilate wasn't intentional. Jesus was intentional. Pilate was a coward. Jesus was a hero. And it didn't look that way to the naked eye. Ephesians chapter 4. This I say, therefore, and testify, and I'm going to use King James, and I know this is going to mess with a lot of you, but I have meditated on these verses for tens or hundreds of hours, and so they're just in my heart in King James. This I say, therefore, and testify, martyr, martyrio, testify, witness, bear witness in the Lord, that you henceforth walk. This is talking about your course of life. That your course of life, your way of life, is not walking as other Gentiles. And, and the word Gentile, you could interchange it with heathen. People who are not born again. Your life should look zero like an unborn again person. And God, we all know, that's not true. And it should be. People should just see our way of life and say, man, something's different about you. You know, the average person, you could probably figure out who their, who their favorite NFL team is. Amen. What their favorite kind of car is. They'll wear the shirts and tell you. We should be, it should be so glaringly obvious. People that are not born again are dead. People that are born again are alive. You should be able to tell the difference between dead and alive. I shouldn't have to research your life for six months or a year and figure out why. You know what I just figured out after watching him for, after working with this person for the last six months. I just figured out I think they're a little bit religious. That, that's a failure. That's a Failure. I do not want your course of life to be like the other heathens. In the vanity, check this out, the futility, the uselessness of their mind. No intentionality. You know what this is? This is a mind that's just like, ah, shiny object. Ah, squirrel. Oh, problem. Oh, did you hear what they said? Oh, the phone went off. Oh, I wonder if I got a message. You didn't even know if you got a message. You just wonder if you got a message. It's because our minds can't. I know people sit in here. I talk for an hour, hour and a quarter, hour and a half, and I will. I lose people in ten minutes. There are people sleeping in ten minutes, and I'm not picking on you if that's you. But I'm just saying that's because our minds are so underutilized. You, Pastor Pastor Craig uh, gave us some examples of of former. Education and the, and the generations that went through education, like the 1700s and the 1800s, I'll I will say that if you believe that you are a very smart person in here, you probably could not pass a fourth grader test from people that went to school in the 1800s, because our minds are so used to being underutilized, futile. If you stop for a second, you're thinking about. I wish I had the newest phone. I wish I had this. I wonder, you know, my favorite actor and my favorite TV show. Oh, what was that song I heard earlier? It's just that our minds just just float all over the place. They are underutilized. They're futile. They're vain. And here's Paul under the unction of the Holy Spirit say, Do not be that way. Do not be vain with your mind. Don't let your mind go all over the place. You should be able to drill in with your mind. I wonder how a cell works. You know, your father made that cell. You can figure it out. You know that when the Bible talks about witty inventions that he'll give you, that could make you a millionaire, a billionaire? You know the people that actually do it? They stop. They focus their thoughts. Most of us have rainbow thoughts. The light of God hits us and then the prism of our brain just goes Pow! and you got all these colors that go all over. What God wants to do is he wants to send light to you and then you like a diamond can re- can refract that down into this laser point. You can cut metal, you can cut steel, you can cut rock. You can cut the hard hearts of the people in this world with that laser focus of your usable Useful mind. Having their understanding darkened. Note, they're not stupid. They're darkened. We call this brain fog. I just don't understand that. If I had a dollar for every time somebody says, well, I try to read the Bible just don't understand it. Really? Because I know five-year-olds that I talk to about the Bible, and they get it. It's not because you can't. It's because you won't. The same people that don't understand the Bible can tell me about earned run average in the in the Major League Baseball. I don't have a clue what an earned run average is. I don't give a rip. I don't care what the, the quarterback percentage thing is. People all the time, well, this quarterback says 16 point whatever. What does that even mean? If he throws a ball and people catch it. Woo, you need to have a number for that? They can figure it out. They can say, well, this game, he threw this many passes. Okay, well, do you know what propitiation is? What's that? That's whether you're actually going to go up or down at the end of your life. You better understand propitiation. Ah, it's the Bible. I don't understand the Bible. These gamers, (laughs) you know what they can do on keyboards? (laughs) I don't understand how they can do all that. They know all their utility stuff and their in their weapons drawer, I don't know, I, I'm sounding stupid now. But the point is, is that you have the same ability to understand as anybody else. I didn't get some gift from God where I can read the Bible and like, oh, okay, well, I get it. I've just on purpose removed the darkness. You can remove the darkness. And I've got news for you, whether you understand ERA, or whether you understand atonement, One of those two is going to give you incredible amounts of power and success in this life, and one of them is going to make you look cool to that one guy at work who likes baseball. I want to be my father's hero. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. That is in them. You know what's in heathen? Ignorance. I'm not even insulting them. God said it. If you're not born again, you're ignorant. That'll be the... Someone will clip that off of our YouTube channel. Wicked pastor and Lena. The Bible said it. Twice in Psalms, it says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. The fool We even have a holiday for them. April 1st. If you don't... This is where the beginning of knowledge and understanding comes from. It says in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If you don't have a fear of God, you can't even begin to have understanding. Well, yeah, but they understand geology. Well, good for them. They can figure out a rock. Woo! They can't figure out life, but they can tell you everything you need to know about a rock. And that's impressive. People are impressed by that. God's not impressed by your knowledge of a rock. Being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Ignorance alienates us from God's life. You know what you should hate in your life is any ignorance towards anything. And now it's exalted like, ah, this person's so stupid and they're funny. Ha, ha, ha. No. We should not exalt those characteristics if somebody doesn't understand something. This is something the Lord's working on me. So I'm going to be transparent in front of all y'all. The Lord rebuked me the other day because I heard myself say, I just don't understand. And then when I heard myself say it, the Lord said, eh. And then I, I froze, and then the Lord took me back to like 50 circumstances in the last few days before that that I said, I just don't understand. And he said, I wonder why you don't understand. And I'm like, okay. So I, I'm trying, you, you can help me gently with grace. You can help me not use that terminology anymore. I'm not going to say I don't understand anymore. Because the one on the inside of me understands all things. So if I don't understand something, that's a brain thing. I don't want to be talking about my brain. I'm going to be talking about my mind of Christ. Ignorant uh, because of the blindness of their heart. It's our heart that actually has understanding in it. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. Past feelings. You know, God gave you feelings for a reason. If you put your hand on a hot stove, God gave you the feeling of pain to say, hey, stupid. I mean, not stupid. Don't touch that. He didn't give us, He didn't, like, you have the capacity for depression. Not so that someone can be depressed and live in depression, so that if that feeling ever comes to you, you should say, whoa, what? Did I make a mistake in my life where this feeling had an opportunity to have an entrance into my heart? Man, I must have been mean. Baby, will you please forgive me for the thing that I said? Because I just got hit by this emotion that God gave us that not to lead us, not to guide our lives. You know what lascivious is? It means that your emotions are wheeled off. It's like a, it's like a dog in heat. They'll walk up to your left. Never mind. I'm out of time. This is how a lot of people live. This is what the feeling's making me do. This is where my feeling's telling me to go. This is why my feel. If I don't do this, then I won't be congruent to my feelings. So, since when do we have to be people led around by the little ring in our nose like a bull by our feelings? I really don't even care what my feelings are. I really don't. And I ain't got time for that. Lasciviousness is outrageous conduct. Conduct shocking to public decency. A lot of our world have embraced lasciviousness. To work all uncleanness and greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. What's Christ? The hero within. If it be so that you have heard of Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. So Christ on the inside of you wants to teach you the truth that's in Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life. That you put off concerning the former conversation. That word conversation means lifestyle, behavior, conduct. The old man, which is, not which will be, not which can be. Your old man is corrupt according to deceitful lusts. And put, and be renewed in the spirit. The word spirit is attitude. Be renewed. You know what renewed is? It's new again. You were born again once. God made everything new. So what you need to do with your brain is make it new the way God made it new and you're born again. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man. Intentionality. Be intentional about putting on the new man. You know, the old me would respond to you this way in this situation. But I'm not that person anymore. This is the way I'm going to respond in this situation. Which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. In Romans 6, I memorized this in in the King—not memorized it, but it's in my heart in the King James. Romans 6:16 6, says, "Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are; to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? Everyone in here is being afflicted by slavery one way or another." Romans 6:15. Back up. Sorry, I'm—I know I'm messing with you. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law? Remember, sin is missing the mark. Should we miss the mark because someone isn't, like, threatening us with the law? Because that's how it used to work. In the Old Covenant was, hey, if you don't do this, we'll stone you to death. Honor your father and mother. Why? Because we'll stone you to death. Okay. Hey, Mom, you're awesome. But it's not real. That's what the law could never do. The law could never make it real. So should we sin because we're not under the law? Should we miss the mark because someone's not waiting over us to whack us for missing the mark? And then it says, certainly not. And then it has this really unique principle that's there. The, the next verse is, don't you know that you're a slave? And this is one of those ones that bothers you because you're American. And you think, well, I'm not in slavery to anybody. Okay. You're either in slavery to righteousness or you're in slavery to sin. Whether you like it or not. You were built to respond to one or the other. In righteousness, you're free. If you live in righteousness, He who the Son sets free is free indeed. And so you're actually in freedom as a slave to righteousness. But if you're not, then by default, you're a slave to sin. Sin is missing the mark. You just keep missing. I don't know why I fail here. I don't know why I miss it. You're a slave there. The next verse But thanks be to God that though you were once slaves to missing the mark, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were committed. You listened to your pastor. (laughs) Sorry, selfless plug. Next verse. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. You know what? As a slave to righteousness, you just can't help it but being righteous. You just can't help it but being brave. You just can't help it but being creative. You just can't help it, you're going to turn into a hero. You're a slave to turn into a hero, just like your master, just like Christ on the inside of you, just like Jesus. I wanted to give you a story about this, but I can't do it. I also wanted to talk about Uvalde, Texas, but I can't do it. The shooter in Uvalde was a slave. He was a product of our woke educational system, transgender, mentally confused, driven by all of these things. So if you're upset about Uvalde, about 21 innocent people who went to school one day and never left, if that bothers you, which it doesn't bother some people, but if that actually bothers you, That one 18 year old demonic kid can end 21 innocent lives, 19 of them fourth graders. If that bothers you, you should take what I said today and be a hero and go into your culture. Because he was a product of our culture. That's what our culture wants to produce. What I want to produce is the opposite. I want to produce the border patrol agent that runs in there with his barbershop shotgun and takes shrapnel in his leg and still kills the intruder, destroying innocent lives. Which one do you want to be? A product of culture or the hero that runs into the building without any backup? I want to be a hero. I think you do too. All right, please rise. Let me bless you.